Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to the No Huddle Show. We got the weekend bringing this in. He just dropped a new album on Friday. It's pretty. It's pretty good, I have to say. Uh, how are we doing, Sam? You know, Detroit's about to be uh, one degree in the next uh, four hours or so. That sounds awful. That's just yeah. I, I mean, awful is an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> With the hey, wind chill, dude. I'm telling you. You know. For years, I work. I'm going to give you a quick little, you know, breakdown. I'm going to start the show off with a little bit of little little story time for the kids, right? As we call okay. it. Um, I used to work downtown in Detroit back in 2011, and all those years. And I would always ask my buddy, I'm like, Yo, what are the, these guys, these the bums, the the panhandlers, the people that are on the corners, you know, what do they do in the wintertime? Because it's it, it's crazy. It's crazy fucking cold. Yeah. And they're like, they all head down south, you know, to, to to warmer temperatures. And it's crazy that, like, our society is built in such a way where kitchens and their areas are just, they're at capacity, you know. It's, it's and, you know, we used to, I, I made friends with, with, uh, um, with one of the guys that used to hang around the corner all the time, throw him a couple cents, a couple pennies, whatever. Not pennies, but, like, dollars, whatever. Whatever change you had, you know. Yeah. And... I found out he passed away a couple of years ago, and eh, you know, it's it's sad, it's sad. But it's cold as hell out here. I imagine, man. I, uh, I'm ready to uh, take this show down south and leave the Midwest. So. I I agree. Amen <laughs> to that. So it's Black Monday. Um, we have firings, a- all kinds of firings. <laughs> At least we still have our jobs. I'm like some poor NFL coaches. Uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't trade places with Mike Zimmer <laughs> right now, even if he paid me. <laughs> eight years, bro. Him and the GM, just GM's been there 10 years. He's been there eight years. I mean, granted, they never really got out of Aaron Rodgers' shadow in that NFC North. No, and then he was like one of those coaches that you knew the time had kind of come, I think. Yeah. It's not to say that Mike Zimmer's a bad coach, and I definitely. No, he's, I think he's a great coach. I think Zimmer deserves another shot, but the most shocking, can we all agree, is Brian Flores? Oh, yeah, that was a note. That was a, a little bit of a shock. Like, I feel like, and this may be a little bit of hyperbole because, you know, the other coach I'm comparing him to has accomplished a lot more, but he's also had the chance to do it, is I feel like the Dolphins fired Mike Tomlin 2.0. Well, yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very well possible. Like, he can latch on to, like, a Houston, right, and rebuild it. Oh, got this you know, coach. Didn't fire him, but maybe. I know, I know, but I'm just saying, like, I'm saying possible landing places. Like, yeah. he has a shot to go to a couple of good teams. You know, like he can, he he can make a a, a push to to teams that he probably will have a little bit more say. Was that's you know, according to the reports, he clashed with with uh, player personnel and GM about decisions. You know about and he, and that you know came down to like affecting Tua and his confidence levels, apparently, you know, according to the reports and things like that. Like, the signing of Ryan Fitzpatrick was apparently that was like a confidence, like, killer. You know, he, he takes away jobs from rookies and, and, and second years and third years and people that are trying to prove themselves, you know. He comes well, in and he just takes their jobs, you know. There's also he did that in, he did that in New York, too, Deshaun by the way. There's all that talk about Deshaun Watson and mid-season. Remember that. Um, you know, that, that never came to fruition. I don't know, man. I'll tell you who I think Flores would be a great fit for, although I don't think they'll hire another defensive coach right again, is Minnesota. I was thinking Minnesota and, you know, stay in the state of Florida, maybe move over to Jacksonville. That's that's a possibility, too. That's a possibility as well. That's a good possibility, although if I was Flores, I don't think I'd want anything to do with Jacksonville. No, no, no. The owner doesn't seem to really know what he's doing there or what he wants. 
Well, see, look, he he's not one of those, you know, Rooney, Mara, you know, family owners, right? So he hasn't been the owner of a team for, you know, a generation or longer, you know. He, it, he, he, he still has the growing pains as an owner to deal with, right? And, you know, and it's the same growing pains like, like you know, Jets fans and Giants fans have had the last couple of years. Jets fans forever because Woody Johnson's a prick. Um, I mean, but that's besides the point. Um, but, like, you know, the Giants lately, they've hated their lives, you know, based on the decisions yeah. that are being made. Why let Gettleman retire when you know you were going to fire his ass? Why give Judge another chance? I mean, if you are if you are a Giants fan, at least Gettleman is gone. You still have the problem of of Joe can judge, dude. I honestly, I don't know, man. I, do you think Joe Judge is a terrible coach? Yes, he sucks. He's an OC, bro. He needs to stick to being an OC. Hey, how about by the way, how about the Eagles sinking into the playoffs? Nick, they're <laughs> one. Dude, we have two Eagles fans in our group of uh, of buddies, you know, out in Jersey, and I just I. I from 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 the moment that Nick Foles won that Super Bowl till now, like I I haven't heard the end of of Big Dick <laughs> Nick, as they call him, and uh, I'm just tired of it. Like, how do you squeak in with like what was the record nine and eight? <laughs> like, what is that? What is that? Yeah, that's disgusting. Shame on you. That's as bad as the as the Seahawks squeaking in with like a seven and nine record that, that no, one year. No, come on, man. Nine and eight still a winning record, bro. I mean, I know that's what I'm saying, but like that that Seahawks squad that that squeaked in at seven and nine was just. Ugh. But they won that playoff game. They beat the Saints at home. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I don't know. Philadelphia though has a probably an early. So Jalen hurts. As they drew Tampa Bay in the first. Yeah. Round. Good luck. Yeah. Good freaking luck. Mike Evans is back. Touchdowns. No Godwin, no problem. They have Scotty Miller. They got a see Brady. That's how this is how Brady has made like that. That's how he made Bill Belichick's life easier. He took your your Amendolas and your Edelmans and you know your your um Dion you know Branch. Your, Dion Branch. He took he took bums and he was like, all right, cool. You just you know do this 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 and this and I'll I'll hit you. You know I'll hit you on this. You know. And the one time he wasn't dealing with bums was when he had Randy Moss and Wes Welker. And they lost. And, but then they still lost. They still yeah, and they lost. lost. Yeah. yeah. But, like, <clears throat> if you look at the rest of his career, he's always had just that slot guy and then tight end, you know. Well, Gronk. Yeah, they, when they had Gronk and Hernandez, that was a pretty good tight end. Yeah, but Gronk is the only one that ended up longevity-wise, right? So Hernandez, you know. Everyone knows what happened to Hernandez. But, um, you know, Brady really hasn't had weapons per se, you know. And Mike Evans, Lenny's coming back in a game, possibly, you know. Um, They still have, believe it or not, Le'Veon Bell is all of a sudden relevant in some way, you know. They have to account for him to make make some sort of play, and he can still do that, you know. He comes in for 20 snaps, he does something in 20 snaps, and that's good enough for Brady, you know. But he likes to spread spread it around. So, Antonio Brown. I know I didn't mention this in our rundown meeting. Yeah. Did you want to go over the Antonio Brown scenario, or or, you know? I just want to know. He is popping off at top, and now he's going after Tom Brady. And I just I want to know what is wrong with this man. Like, I'm telling you, you called it our last show. You told us. You you told me, and you told the audience that. You know, perfect hit on Brown pretty much ended his not his career, but like his mental competency pretty much. You know, yeah. This guy snuck in an in, in OnlyFans uh, model famous that was that that got famous for licking air, airplane toilets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and and her tech and her and her tweet was, oh, Tampa Bay, go get everybody tested. Yeah, yeah. Like seriously, dude. Like what? What kind of? Per- if there is any team that's willing to take a shot on Antonio Brown, um, they're 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 absolutely out of their mind. I know people that are on his side, on his side, and and said and they're saying that you know Arians was wrong for asking him to play when he knew that his that his ankle was hurting, uh, and so on and so forth. But dude, to be honest with you, like 
that's one aspect of the game. You're getting still getting paid millions of dollars. Granted, you didn't make your 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 uh, your bonuses that you were looking for. He was about to make a million dollar in bonuses on three occasions, three hundred k each, I believe. And you know what ended up happening? The next game, Gronkowski hit his one million dollar incentive. Yeah. You know, Brady will make sure you get it, dude. But the he problem is, he's just. He stayed in the game until Gronk. Just to make sure Gronk got his got his got his bonus, you know. That's what you call that's what you call a good guy, you know. Seems pretty good when he's doing jumping jacks in the fucking. Right, right. Where was your ankle when you were running around the field doing jumping jacks and 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 waving to the fans and casually trotting into into the tunnel, you know? I, I have no respect for football players like that. I mean, you know, the, I thought I think that. Antonio Brown literally hit his peak of being a diva when Snapchat became big, and locker room, Facebook living, Instagram. yeah, Facebook living, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever, Snapchat, whatever the hell it is, you know, th- those, you know, media outlets allowed him to get such a big head that he now is at the point where he's having to suffer the consequences for that. No. Well, I you know I gotta give Ryan Clark props for this because it was years ago. It was mm-hmm. actually when things first kind of started seeing happen, seeing it happen. He said Brown's always been a diva. That nobody really caught on to it till later, but he was a diva early. And Ryan Clark is teammates with him in Pittsburgh, and I you know I remember him saying this isn't a surprise to him because he saw his attitude. And even Bruce Arians didn't really want to sign him to Tampa Bay because he was offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh when Brown was there. And he knew how much of a headache he was, but he they signed him because Tom Brady wanted it. And Tom Brady literally completed his career. He has a ring because of Tom Brady. Yes. Yeah. And it's just honestly – for him to sit there and be like, oh, well, Tom Brady, you know, oh, we're boys, but why Why am I getting paid so little compared to his boy Gronk? Well, you know what? You didn't have the track record, Brown, that Gronk did. You were seen as a cancer leaving Pittsburgh. Then you had that whole blow up in Oakland. All Gronk did a ton of A ton of personal problems, right? What's that? A ton of oh, personal yeah. problems, which is why the Patriots cut him. Yeah. Yeah, a ton of personal problems, all the arrest stuff. All Gronk's done is win Super Bowls. And, yeah, he's got a party boy attitude. but he, he's And perfect. you know what? Fine. He, he sponsors a CBD company, and he's big on, you know, uh, you know uh, marijuana products. But who the hell cares? He's staying out of trouble with the law. He is. Exactly. Exactly. He's not, hitting, he's not getting assault charges pushed on exactly. pressed on him, you know? And so Gronk was teammates with Brady for years. That's not even a comparable scenario. Yeah, right, exactly. So if they're boys, who do you think are bigger boys, Gronk and Brady who played together for 10 years, or is it you who showed up and Brady's trying to carry your fucking lame ass around so you can get a ring and complete your Hall of Fame career? So, like, quote-unquote, I'll be honest with you, 20 years from now, all this thing, no one's going to remember any of it. He's still going to get in the Hall of Fame. He'll get in the Hall of Fame, but you know what? He'll still be in the Hall. It should take him longer than it took Trell Owens because Owens had this persona that he was a. Yeah, but no, Owens still Owens stayed out of trouble though, dude. He did, but it took Owens four years to get into the Hall of Fame, and he's like top five in every single receiver. Exactly, but Man. see, that's that's how see the 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 league at that time just saw Owens as the cancer, like the guy that's really you know, making every locker room just nervous and anxiety-filled, you know. But Brown is literally getting in trouble outside of football, right? Yeah. He's getting hit with charges, like like legal charges, you know. So I don't think you can even compare that. Even if he's in that category of record-wise, fine, T.O. was a diva inside the, you know, the locker room, on the teams, you know. So what? He was a playmaker, off off the field, he 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 didn't have any of those things following him the way Brown does. Yeah. So let's get to some NFL coaching rumors before we uh, tackle the playoffs. Um, so First, let me ask you this: Are there any college coaches making the move? I don't know, but there's two that are getting heavy rumors. Jim, Harbaugh. why I ask you this? Because right now, college coaches. You know, coaching in the NFL, their track record is not 
not doing so hot. No, not for not particularly. Well, it depends. That rule, Urban Meyer, no, no, it's not hot at all. It's cold. But it, but it also depends. If your college coach came to the NFL, <laughs> there's like someone someone's going to take a chance on Bill O'Brien instead of a college coach, which is yeah. Like, but, what I, but what I'm saying is, here, hear me out real quick. Is college coaches correct? They don't have a great track record in the NFL, but College coaches that do tend to succeed in the NFL have an NFL background, meaning they got their start in the NFL, didn't get a head coaching job in the NFL, or even like a coordinator job in the NFL. They were like a position coach, went down to college, became a head coach, then came back to the NFL, a la your John or your Jim Harbaugh's, uh, your um, your Pete Carroll's. Uh, who succeeded after being fired from the Jets and the Patriots, went down to college, won a bunch at USC, came back to Seattle, has had a really good run in Seattle. And there's a few other names there that have done uh, pretty good. Chip Kelly did well his first two years in in Philly, right? What's that? Chip Kelly did well his first two years in Philly, right? Chip Kelly did well his first two years, but everybody knew his offense wasn't going to last in the NFL. But then he, he basically cratered. But a lot of coaches that succeed – are not usually your Urban Myers, your Nick Sabans, your Steve Spurriers. You can't be a giant name that's coached college for 20-plus years and then come to the NFL. And because that, you're too used to your system, aren't you, at that exactly. point? So I would look – if I was looking at uh, a coach, Jim Harbaugh, obviously, he's already coached in the NFL. I think he would be fine coming back to the NFL. But the other name I'm hearing that I would be weary of is Ryan Day, head coach at Ohio State. I heard that. has no NFL experience, to my knowledge. He has zero. He's never coached in the NFL. I apologize. Uh, I am wrong. Uh, Ryan Day. Hey, listen, man, really quickly before you continue, you – you get any leads on a producer? Because we will probably could have caught that before you you said my bad. Hey, no leads, man. Sorry, it's just uh, we're a simple show. That's uh, okay. Know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Just checking. You're yeah. you're still running the show. Eight hundred downloads a week, so we are. Uh, <laughs> I'll get to that later, but yeah, I would. I need. We need money for a producer. So and until you make it uh, big and you can start paying for a producer, uh, then uh, we just kind of got to go with the mistakes. Fair enough. The show is dependent on you, Sam. Okay. On me? All of a sudden, it's on me? It's on you. (laughs) Listen, man. Okay, continue. Ryan Day. Ryan Day was quarterback coach for the Eagles and the 49ers in 2015, 2016. That's That's nothing, though, really. And that was both under Chip Kelly. You're running a college offense in the NFL. That's all you. That's the experience you have. Yeah. So. I don't know. I don't think that, I don't think there'll be too many college coaches coming up. But I'll 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 say this: if we're ranking the jobs, right? If we're ranking the jobs that are open, Minnesota's got to be number one, right? Minnesota. You, you have two of the premier like positional players, right? In Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson. Yeah. It has to be. They're taking Kirk on for one more. They have to guarantee. They have one more guaranteed year for him. He had that fully guaranteed contract. This is his last year. Whoever gets that team will actually have a competent quarterback too, because you're not going to get a rookie quarterback. You're not going to get, you know, a journeyman. You're going to get someone that's played in the NFL at at high stakes, right? Exactly. So, and for that matter, Cousins probably has another two years before he becomes like a backup quarterback on another team. Yeah. Right. Um. All right. So if we're ranking it right, Vikings are number one. Then. Who would be the second best opening? Would you say? I really like that Miami system set up. They have a good defense. They have an emerging offense. They have two. Uh, they have Waddle, who just broke uh, rookie reception. Uh, you know, uh, um, the reception leaders. He just broke that record uh, recently. They have a Gasecki, who's a reliable tight end for touchdowns. Yeah. Things of that sort, like a Hunter Henry type of player. I think. I think they still have Parker. I, I, I'd like that team a lot. I think it's on the up and up. And I think that because Belichick is so dependent on just his coaching and he doesn't have the positional players in the right place, 
that a, that a better team can come and beat them. So that means that they're they're literally just behind the Bills on on the on the totem pole in the AFC East. Yeah. So you know you have the Jets at the bottom of the fucking barrel, and you got you know a, a tie for for two right where, it, where you got the Dolphins and and you got the the um, Patriots, and then you got the Bills sitting at the top. And the Bills are going to sit there for a while. So long as Josh Allen continues to play the way they play, they're playing well. They finally have this newly discovered run game, which me and you talked about earlier this season. It was completely non-existent between Singletary and Moss. It was completely non-existent. All of a sudden, Singletary's on fire the last three games. And then which would you take three, Broncos or the Raiders? Oof, that's tough. Um, here's the thing. Who has a higher pick coming up in the draft? The Broncos do. The Broncos, because the Raiders are in the playoffs. Uh, uh, look, uh, I still think the Broncos might be the better fit. Oh, yeah. I, I, I know that you have Waller and you have this new, you know, PPR god, Henfro. Uh, Hunter Renfro, Hunter Renfro, my bad. Uh, I, I I took the H and the and the R and I replaced it into Henfro. So, uh, yeah, you have uh, you know you have you have Renfro, you have uh, Waller, you have Josh Jacobs, you have a better suited team. I think in the next five years though, Javante Williams, Jerry Judy's going to be coming around the corner. Tim Patrick is an awesome uh, slot receiver. You have Noah Fant coming in uh, as a reliable you know pass catching tight end. That's doing his Cortland. job blocking as well. I'm sorry? You still got Cortland Sutton there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, Sutton's going to take another year before he finally gets back into the groove off that ACL. But um, I'm saying as far as emerging talent goes, I still I still like the Broncos a little bit better than the Raiders because I think the Raiders kind of have tapped out. I believe they may be making a change in quarterback, you know, this upcoming season. So, yeah. If that's the case, they have, you're going to have Marcus Mariota with his very inflated, percent, you know, accurate throwing percentage, you know, with a lot of running and just he never got out of the college system at Oregon. You know, he never really got out of that. And they tried to tailor the game around him with Tennessee. He got hurt. It doesn't really, work. I just, he's not an NFL quarterback. Yeah, really no, he isn't. And it, it's not going to work. It's not going to. He's going to be a career backup. Forever. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if you do the comparison now to the two quarterbacks that went one and two, Winston still is a very serviceable quarterback. He is, and he showed in New very Orleans, serviceable starter. In fact, if Winston doesn't get hurt, the Saints are probably in the playoffs. I agree. I agree. And you know what? You could probably even say that if Winston doesn't get hurt, they push Michael Thomas to to up his rehab time and yeah. and and help in that final push into the playoffs. Yeah. I'm the Saints though. I'm honestly considering trading Michael Thomas in the offseason. He's 28, coming off his two surgeries. Um, doesn't really want to be there. The biggest thing is his injury problem, bro. He's he's coming off a, off an ankle injury that was that was mismanaged the first time around, and the second time around, uh, he had to get surgery on it again. And I, I don't know if you want to take a receiver with that many ankle problems, bro. That's their explosion, right? When they come off the snap, it, it, it's Part of the, it's their knees, ankles, and and their calves all working together. You can have your 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 you know explosiveness as far as jumping for jump balls and things like that. AJ Green can still win jump balls, you know. You know that that there's your difference though. AJ Green can can win you jump balls, but if you you have that ankle injury, bro, you're not winning those. You're not winning those. And Michael Thomas is actually he's going to be 29 by the time the season starts. Oh, I'm sorry. He, is he he's going to be 29? I, I thought he was 28. Going he's to be 20. 28. Birthday's in March. Oh, so but I thought he was going to – he's 27 turning 28. My bad. 28 turning 29. That's why we need a producer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Again. Oh. oh, shoot. Did I lose? Are we still on – I think I just accidentally closed out of our studio. So that's awesome. Which is why we need a producer, right? Yeah, we're back. We are good without losing anything. <laughs> wow. This is uh, this is a show full of errors. Uh, but you know what? Even the best have things where they get wrong. You know, in PTI, they always have things they mess up on. Remember, at the end, they go through, and they have producers. They have team of writers writing for them. So, you know, it's, 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 it is what it is. We're good. We're all right. 
Um, just keep just keep messing up and, yeah. until we get someone that says, guys, just stop messing up. Like, he, I'll do it for free. <laughs> hey, uh, so what, uh, real quick before we get to our next segment, what playoff games are you really looking forward to watching? We got games on Saturday, Sunday, and one on Monday. Why don't you give me your rundown first before I give you mine? Okay. Uh, I'm honestly looking forward to an old classic that has some Mm -hmm. nine feel to it, and that's San Francisco and Dallas, man. Like, you remember in the 90s, these teams met. Oh, yeah, dude. I remember T.O. catching that touchdown from Steve Steve Young. You know, I I remember clear as day because it was 96, and – I I remember that 96, 97, I'm not sure, but I remember clear as day because my cousin at that time was was over and he was, like I had mentioned earlier, a big Green Bay Packers fan. You know, Brett Favre, Southern Miss, blah, 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 and Conference USA, yeah, rah, 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 whatever, right? So, um, which no longer exists, right? There is no, there is no more Conference USA? No, there's still Conference USA. Oh, okay, all right. Anyways, um... I remember that, and I remember just jumping up and down and just it, it fucking going absolutely bananas on him and just to watch them get walloped by Atlanta and, and, and freaking the dirty bird, you know, come come through the next the next game and just absolutely kill my – you know, and the, the Niners were my initially – they were my favorite team because I, in the 90s when I played, like, the Genesis games, we had I, – I was always picking Niners. You know, it wasn't until I – I got a little bit older, and I was just like, I got a team. I'm I'm from New Jersey. It's either Jets or Giants. I like green. Let's stick to Jets. Big mistake. I would have had two rings on my resume to root for, but <laughs> but no, no, I didn't do that. I didn't do that to myself. I picked the the worst franchise on the planet, and now I just can't quit them. You know. Uh, but nonetheless, I that's I think that's a really cool matchup. I think that's a very nostalgic throwback matchup. You know, which is. You know, it, it's very cool, man. I, I I think that it's it's a very good scenario for like the league. I think it's very good for ratings, right? Yeah. And then you get another. So I I want I want to go I'm gonna go ahead and then throw one more in there. Okay. So I this is it, it's strange how it, it matched up, but I, I really like the Bills and the Patriots matchup too. Okay. It's gonna, I think it's going to be a like a gut fest. You know, I think it's going to be like a master of minds, Bill Belichick trying to play chess, and uh, who is it, Sean McDermott uh, for the Bills? That's it, yep. Yeah, Sean McDermott, you know, um, I, I think he's scared, man. He's going up against Bill Belichick in the playoffs. He's, he's scared. And that's why I like that AFC matchup. Again, my team's from the AFC. You probably like the Bengals' chances against the Raiders, you know, because the Raiders are due for a loss. Yeah. You know, to be to be frank with you, they're definitely due for a loss. And Cincinnati's long due for a playoff victory. Can I tell you, know? you something? Can I tell yeah. you something? I got to yeah. drop an interesting factoid on you. The Bengals' stretch of playoff utility started in a playoff game against the Raiders. Oh, now okay. have a chance to reverse the curse. Okay, cool. I like that. I, I definitely like that narrative because, again, I'm all in on teams like the Bengals, teams like, uh, you know, the, I hate to say it, but like, you know, the Jaguars, you know, they have, they have a competent quarterback. In the next five years, they have to figure it out. You know, I like young teams. I like younger – I like the Bills. I like Josh Allen. I like, I like Mahomes. I like younger teams – as much as I came from that generation where I watched Brady just take ring after ring after ring, like I'm tired. I, I'm tired of that old generation. I'm not one of the geezers that say, "Oh, in our day, Brady did this, that, the other." You know, I watched Drew Bledsoe get knocked out and Brady come in. No, no, I don't care about all any of that shit anymore. You know, uh, you know, I like the Bengals. I love Burrow. I love Chase and mixing the whole, you know, trifecta they have going. They're a good squad, man. They're a good squad. And, and you know what? There are teams that should be afraid of them, you know, because they have the offensive firepower. You can go ahead and defensively prepare for that team as much as you want, and they will still surprise you, which is why I like, you know, I like their chances. I definitely like their chances over the Raiders. 
But even after the Raiders, I like their chances. I like their chances. I do too, but I still think they're about a year away from making a series. They are. They are, but you know what? This is such a great start for them. Yeah. What 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 better start than making it to the playoffs? First of all, winning your division, making yeah. it to your playoffs, making it to the playoffs, and then winning a playoff game. Yeah. Even if you lose the following round, what a great – that's a win for the season for a Bengals fan. By the way, another interesting matchup I wanted to point out. Let me just go ahead and tell you, when, when, when the Jets lost to the Steelers in the AFC Championship game, I counted that as a win. It was just as good as going to the Super Bowl for me. So as a Jets fan, that's as far as I'm going to make it. So I'll take it. <laughs> Well, we got the Chiefs and the Steelers, and if you remember, Patrick Mahomes had his coming out game as a first yeah. start against the Steelers when he threw yep. for six touchdown passes against them. You know what? If this is a really strange, like, very weird game script that turns, like, into the Steelers' favor, what a bust for the Chiefs. That would be an ultimate bust. This would be like uh, like a farewell fuck you party from, from – uh, from, from Roethlisberger, you know, basically like letting you know that listen, I'm going out, but I'm gonna I'm gonna kick your ass on the way out. I just I don't see it happening though. Roethlisberger can't throw the ball down. He can't throw five yards right now, bro. I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what he's gonna do. But if by some miracle, like T.J. Watt goes off, three sacks, strip fumble, strip fumble for a touchdown, if there's something that just goes nuts on the Steelers' end. Just to give Ben that playoff W, you know, to cap off his career, that would be absolutely insane. That would make for, again, very good football, right? A lot of high ratings, a lot of, a lot of views, a lot of, you know, people watching this game, closely following it. But in the same token, uh, it, it, Mahomes would have another disappointing end to the season. Steelers cannot run the ball. And they, they can't. They can't. They can't it's their life dependent on it. Najee Harris is getting like 30 carries a game. He's churning out 80 yards, maybe. <laughs> he's, he's Joe Mixon from two years ago. But they need – and the Chiefs, they honestly need to attack Steelers at the rushing attack. They, I watched Dalvin Cook gash them. Latavius Murray had 150 yards rushing on 16 carries against the Steelers on Sunday. Yeah, oh. the, the, the Steelers are terrible against the run. But against the pass, against the pass, against the pass, they're not so bad. Latavius Murray is 190 years old. And You're right, but, but against the pass, they're not so bad. Yeah. So the pa- I, look at the hey producer, producer Mike, look yeah. up, look up where the Pittsburgh Steelers rank out of 32 teams for pass defense. Let's see. Let's the middle of the pack. I'll take that. Uh, let's see. Against the pass, the Steelers are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 16. All right, middle of the pack. I'll take that. Yeah, middle of the pack. And the, and the reason why I'll take that is because Patrick Mahomes, I don't know what's happening, bro. They're struggling against the strange teams. You know, um, if they can't get there, and they don't have Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Darrell Williams is nicked up, they, they have Gore. They have uh, Jarek McKinnon, who had a receiving touchdown last game. But they're having to pull rabbits out of the hat. You know, yeah. I, I don't necessarily think that that's confidence walking in, you know, against a team that's actually, again, middle of the pack when it comes to pass defense, right? That means they have fast right. corners, I they have decently that. fast corners, good linebackers, and a good front. Sorry. Wait, wait, pause, pause, pause. That, that was for – they were ranked 16th against the pass. They are actually ranked 10th. In Even better. Even better. Pass. And against the rush, uh, the Steelers Terrible. are dead last in the league. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. The thing is, Kansas City doesn't have a, a running back. No. They so don't. it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if they're dead last. Yeah. The thing is that the, 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 they are top 10 against the pass. Dude. A hurt Tyreek Hill, Hardman coming off a great game, confidence. He's down. He's due for a bad game. Yeah. And fast linebackers to cover Kelsey. Who else is left to throw to? Clyde Edwards-Hilaire coming out for Bruce Collarbone? No. No. Gore? No. The Chiefs. 
they win big. This no, no, no. I'm just saying it's not a favorable matchup for the Chiefs. Yeah, I don't know. Really? It's more favorable than – I don't know. Cause I've if they had a team that was, that was uh, you know, bad against the pass, but good against the run, I would say it's worth it. You're not running the ball anyways. You, you're, all your running backs suck. Yeah. All right. That is the end of our NFL segment. Uh, with that, I want to thank our listeners for boosting us up. We are now up over 700 listeners uh, or downloads, I should say, uh, per week. Uh, we're starting to gain traction on Twitter. Uh, we've been interacting with a lot of people on Twitter. We've been, you know, blessed to get tips from other podcasters on how to grow the show. Uh, we were invited to a dynasty league with other podcasters uh, to partake in. Um, so that's been that's been quite the experience, quite the good experience. So uh, I want to thank everybody. Uh, we're hoping to grow more in 2022. Um, so want to give a shout out to everybody listening, uh, helping to boost our show. Um, we're hoping uh, we are over, uh, you know, 1,500 uh, Twitter followers, hoping to get more, and we are hoping to be at 1,000 downloads per week by the end of February. So thank you, everybody. Uh, thank you very much for anyone and everyone that's been listening for the last couple of months. And um, for the callers that have been calling in, our Jersey callers that have been calling in and, and talking some smack and giving them, giving us the input, thank you to them. And uh, sponsors, you know, Buzz Brewing never came through, but Mike's working on that, Mr. Producer. Yeah. On that, that's okay. So even though this happened now, you know, nearly two weeks ago, uh, we haven't had a chance to talk about it. Friday's show had to be canceled uh, due to some health issues. Um, and then Monday, we didn't get to it. Physically really. unable to, to uh, perform? Pup? What's that? Is it, oh, I, I was on the pup list this, this last week. Yeah, that's okay, though. That's okay. You, you were on the uh, COVID list? <laughs> Dick. No, I was not on the COVID list. I was on the physically unable to perform. <laughs> and I don't mean, like, sexually, but, like, I mean, like, just not able to talk because it's just not possible. Cocksucker. Um, <laughs> That's a jersey in me coming out, by the way. Yeah, yeah, clearly, clearly. You know, you know, your wife gets that way too. She gets, uh, except you know, when she's talking to me, it's almost like a little yappy chihuahua that's just yapping in my ear, trying to sound tough. You know, just barking away. But uh, we were at the we were at the dinner the other night, and I said something. Uh, joking around, and then you know she got the whole like finger point, like the like, listen here, uh, fucker, like and you know and getting a little ghetto on me, and I was like, listen here, babe, you're not in Jersey anymore, okay? <laughs> I am, <laughs> cock, you cocksucker, I am. <laughs> you're in Michigan. All right, let's not get it twisted. <laughs> I, my, you know what, my pizza's still from New York though. <laughs> All right, so we get day one, WWE day one. Wow. All right, I'm I'm so happy that you brought wrestling back because um, we haven't spoke about wrestling for a while. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. I know we spoke about the like the rise of AEW and how they're kind of changing the game when it comes to wrestling, and uh, WWE is kind of sl- uh, they're falling behind. I want to say, you know, they're kind of slacking. They're, they're throwing in older matchups, things that, you know, people have seen multiple times in one shape, in one way or the other, you know. Um, again, I, they did it again. Terrible. They did it again, right? That's what, I, I was kind of segueing into that. Go ahead. Go off, man. Let me know exactly how you feel about that. So we know Roman Reigns tested positive uh, before day one. Like, I believe the day before he tested positive for COVID-19. So he had to pull out of the event. So they throw Brock Lesnar instead of him going up against Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. They throw they throw him into the the Fatal Four Way match uh, for the WWE Championship, making it a Fatal, fatal Five Way. And wouldn't you know it? But Brock's not even on the roster like full time, dude. Like, why would you do that? And they took the title away from Big E Langston, who I thought deserved. It was your only shot at like like possible future of WWE, right? Yes. And he deserved a shot to to carry the belt for a while, like you know. And he he's got all the charisma, he's got the look, he's a big dude. 
why are you taking the belt off him to put it on Brock Lesnar, who doesn't need the fucking belt? He doesn't need it at this point in his career. I think WWE is, like, so sold on taking their, their stars from the yesteryears and yesterdays and yesterweeks, you know, um, and it's not going to work. It's, there's no long-term plan there. There's no future for that. Like, what are you going to do next? You're going to bring The Undertaker out of retirement for a match? Like, what? what is it? Where does the buck stop with these guys? And you got Edge, Edge defeating The Miz. You know, why is Brock Lesnar, hey, if you're going to take the title off Big Biggie Langston, why are you putting the title on Lesnar and not Seth Rollins or Kevin Owens? Giving them a shot at it, right? And then, it's not it's not giving him the opportunity, but like literally saying this is your chance to do whatever you got to do. And then you got Drew McIntyre, okay? Drew McIntyre. Who I've was, always liked McIntyre. I've always thought of him as like a very progressive talent. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you think about him. I think he's I think he's good, but I think the lack of fans hurt his title run when he was the COVID champion. Basically, he was performing for empty arenas, and that makes things a little bit difficult. But now you got him fighting Mad Cat Moss in the early part of the card. Like, what are you doing, man? It, 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 isn't that kind of like a slap in the face? I, I feel like, okay, if you're going to try to put him over with younger talent, fine. But why is Drew McIntyre not anywhere near the title picture? He was the champion for almost an entire year in 2020. I think he lost the belt sometime in, uh, uh, in 2021. They should, have had a, they should have had a couple of, like, surprise matches with John Cena and Randy Orton, and, and like, your old crew, right, you know, it, right, and, and have them bring up some of this young talent, which is what AEW is doing. Surprise matches. You you catch an L on your record, you catch an L, bro. It's what it is. It, it's for the better of the company. It's for the better of the business. And you have to realize you're in your 40s now. Your time is pretty much over. And they've You've had your heyday. They've cut all this young talent. They continue to cut young talent. They, you know, there's no longer – you got rid of Bray Wyatt. You got rid of Braun Strowman. You got rid of Keith Lee. You got rid of the Iconics, uh, the women's tag team of Billy Kay, and, and um, I, I forget what, what she was going by in WWE. And, and, and you know what? I'll be honest with you. CM Punk is still wrestling, right, for AEW? Hold on, CM Punk and Danny Bryan is still wrestling for AEW. If those two guys are still wrestling, there's no reason why you couldn't have made a better offer at a better picture, at a better story, at a better setting for these guys that are like, they carried your company to the highest heights that it's hit. Why would you allow AEW to come in and poach them? Like You obviously made it unbearable for them to work there. Right? It's you know, not that these guys came in with a better offer. They just didn't want to do the same shit anymore. But AEW's pushing young talent, too. They got- which is what, I think, which is what, like, some of these older wrestlers are understanding is that we have longevity in the game by allowing the younger talent to move up and move forward. You know, and, and the, the older stars that are sitting uh, for, for WWE that are carrying the flag and pushing the buck forward – those guys don't understand that, which is why I think management, you know, story writing, all that stuff from WWE needs to change. It ha- if they want to stay relevant in the game, it has to change. Let me just bring this up, too, by the way. If you remember, and, and AEW now kind of has this going for them, uh, not quite at the same level, but at, where there's about six or seven guys that could be champion, that would be believable. Right? They based on booking, based on name, based on I mean and that's a good number, right? Six or seven is a really good number, right? Right. And WWE doesn't have that, but they did. If you remember back in the day with Stone Cold, The Rock, Big Show, Kurt Angle, Undertaker, Kane, Mick Foley, uh, there was like nine triple H, there was like nine guys that could all be championed that you'd be like, Yeah, I believe that. I buy that. I buy that guy as champion. Where, where is that now? 
And even if they weren't champion, like intercontinental, heavyweight, they were involved in some way or the other in like a tag team championship, you know, or a money in the bank match, right? Where they're pushing to fight for the championship, right? So like that's the that's the allure and that's the the the, the push that, that WWE had, you know, in the attitude era even after that, they were able to push that forward where you thought that anybody could possibly have a shot. Yeah. You had a lot of weird number one contenders over the years, right? And that's literally to to prove to the to public that whatever you think is gonna happen actually is not going to happen. You know? Anything can happen. And they lost that surprisability, you know, for their crowd, for the people that are, that, that are watching. They lost that ability. Now you kind of predict what's going to happen in WWE. Whereas in AEW, now it seems like, oh, what may happen? There are all these stars. Who's going to go where? We're going to see. I don't know. I think WWE needs to stop. We've talked about this before ad nauseum, but as we've said before, WWE needs to develop new marketable stars. Stop. Why aren't they moving up that NXT pipeline, you know, in the right direction? Every time they brought stars from NXT up to the main roster, they always bury them. Finn Balor. uh, Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe. Uh, that's that's probably why Adam Cole went to went to AEW. He knew that he'd go to the main roster and get buried up there. So moving on now uh, from our wrestling here. Hey, I had a question real quick. Does AEW have that NXT pipeline? No, they don't have like a. They're gonna build it. Watch, that will be the next move. Where they're gonna start building new talent, and the, you know what they're gonna do? NXT is gonna be defunct. If they don't, if if WWE doesn't doesn't fix their their method right now, NXT's biggest push is that you may get to the big leagues. You know, it's like AAA. You may get called up, right? If you do well enough, you may get called up, and if you don't do well enough, depending on who you know, you may get called up. Otherwise, you may just get get the cut. But if AEW runs something of that nature, I think it's very very possible for them. So you have AEW does have a show called AEW Dark, which kind of features, it's on a soundstage. It doesn't have the production that Rampage or Dynamite has. It's also on YouTube. Um, and that's where they kind of showcase young, up-and-coming stars. You're not going to see. Yeah, but they need to make it like a more of a, see, NXT is like a proper platform now. Yeah. Everyone knows NXT as the D League slash G League of wrestling, you know. Oh, um, no, and, and to, in its own right, it's gotten a lot more of the right. better wrestling exposure. Players. Yeah, yeah, all that. Yep, yep. But in, in in the same token, though, NXT is still second fiddle to Raw and to SmackDown and to everything else that that the WWE has going on, right? Um. We got the national college, the national title college football game going on right now. End of the first quarter. Live. What's the huh? score? What's three the score? Three to nothing, Alabama. Uh, Georgia's got the ball. Surprise! Right surprise. Now. But it's three to nothing currently. Um, I I don't know, man. You know, you look at Alabama, Georgia. You know, when they announced the playoff matchups, when they saw when it was Alabama and Cincinnati and Georgia, Michigan, this was the inevitable outcome. This was the inevitable. Yeah, everyone saw it from a mile away, right? Yeah, and honestly, Georgia and Alabama have been the two best teams all year, so this isn't too surprising. But, I, you know, this is the last thing anybody wanted was an all-SEC national title game. I'm tired of it. Uh, Aren't you tired of it? I'm tired of it, and, and honestly, it's not going to surprise me if ratings are super down for this game. This this, this doesn't have – So you have you have supposedly – I mean, uh, not supposedly. You have an offensive-minded coach in Georgia. No. You have no offensive-minded coaches in this game. No? It's just defense against defense? I thought, I, I thought Smart had a little bit – of uh, edge on, on, on offense when it came to offense versus Saban, no, who's Kirby relied Smart. on his defense over the years. Kirby Smart was 
the Saban's defensive coordinator. Oh, great. It's going to be yeah. a slugfest, a 6-3 fucking last score. Uh, so we'll see. Georgia's driving right now. Um, but they're on the Alabama eight-yard line, first and goal. So. I mean, again, it's gonna. It's a chess match between two defensive coaches, right? So what are you expecting? What's your over? What What's the over under right now? I don't. I don't know. I have no idea. Call it, man. Look, producer Mike, look it up. I, I, what's I Vegas know. saying the odds are right now? <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. Daily lines for Alabama, Georgia. No lines available because the game started. Shame on you. This is why we need a producer. Shame on me for what? Well, this is why we need a producer. You don't pay one? I can't pay for one. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. I can't pay for one either, okay, unless someone wants to do it for free. Uh, I'll pay you. Uh, by the and way, IOUs. You know, Sam will pay you in rupees if you come on board. You fucking piece of shit. Why don't you play game and fucking you can. Pay, pay him in yen. What's what's Chinese currency? Cocksucker. <laughs> I know. I mean, I know, Sam, you're an excellent negotiator, okay? Oh, <laughs> when it comes to negotiating, nobody beats the Chinese, my friend. No, no, no. Whatever you can make, they can make fucking 30 cents cheaper. Sam will sit there and negotiate with you until until you get so bored you want to cry, and then and then you'll just take whatever deal he's offering you. Whereas Mike will sit there and negotiate with you and sell him, sell his product and himself, and probably you know you know depending you know on, on his mood that day, some sort of personal you know activity. I will go ahead and mow your lawn for you, along with selling you X Y Z. Oh, so hey, I before we we are running out of time here. Um but along uh, with mowing you along you get a five free dumplings. Hey man. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you had to laugh. You had to laugh on that one. I, I, Anyways, let's 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 move on. Come on. Uh, so in the age of NIL, it's been amazing what so you know, I and Nick Saban was asked about this and he said he said he's all four players getting paid. But there's got to be some kind of regulation because Texas A&M basically paid $30 million for the number one recruiting class in the country that just wrapped up, the 2022 class. And it's because their boosters were able to donate that amount, right? It was Yes, and they also they funneled it into, like, this LLC, and they have actually contracts. And if, these, if these, any of these players that got paid leave, or transfer from Texas A&M, they leave all this money in Texas. They don't get to take it with them, okay? But at the same time now, you're kind of creating this black market deal for these players to just I, – I don't know. There's got to be some kind of regulation. Otherwise, you're just going to have – So listen. I mean, I, the donors I, and the biggest boosters paying out for recruits. Oh, hold on. Let me ask you a question. So – you have a bunch of Division One colleges and universities, right? Um, all these universities have uh, boosters, quote-unquote, that have a lot of money, some more than others. Does it become a bidding war to see who you can purchase? Pretty much. Pretty much. That's absolutely ridiculous because you know what? The, the, the schools on the East Coast and the West Coast will literally run games. Well, no, in Texas. Texas has all the oil money. Texas is different. That's old money, right? Yeah. We're talking about old money. You know, but, but I'm saying from, from a uh, talent slash wanting to stay in the area, East Coast and West Coast is going to run absolutely fucking – they're going to go nuts. Well, the problem is there's not a single football power on the East Coast. It's going to change, though. No. If they have the money to back that, they'll be pulling people from Iowa – from Montana, from Kansas, from yeah, Kentucky. They'll be pulling people from all over the place just purely out of money. But let me ask you, what school on the East Coast? Because we're not talking like Harvard and Yale because that they don't count. They don't. No, no, let, let's not count them. Uh, just, you know, 
uh, Penn State. Okay, Penn State, yeah. I you know, I'll even say because, you know, Notre Dame is close enough to the East Coast to say they can pull people, you know. Yeah, but it's still a great Then you place. have, you're forgetting, on the East Coast, you have all of Florida. You're so, okay. I, when I, you have when South I, Carolina. You were talking about East Coast, though. I was imagining you talking about. No, no, I'm not talking, to, I'm not talking New England. I'm not talking to any of those areas. I'm not talking, like, up north. You can go on the entire coast. Midwest, like Ohio State, Michigan, they all you can, you can go the entire coast and, yeah. and, and say that all of a sudden now the money that's on the East Coast, it'll, it'll pull a lot more talent out of Midwest, out of, you know, Florida teams will move up and go to uh, Florida players will move up and go to Penn State. You know, you know what? Screw it. As much as I hate to say it, you know, um, they might go up to like a like a BU, you know, a BC, and start injecting like a north a, a northern you know England, because the money's there. You have no. you have money funneling from Boston, no, all throughout the, New England at that point. If it becomes a money game, if it becomes a money game, the the coast, uh, dude, you can move money from from New England down to Florida, in ease. With these, with the boosters at these major programs, your Georgias, your Alabamas, your Ohio States. There's Ohio State graduates everywhere. There's Ohio State boosters. No, everywhere. no, no. I, I, no, I'm, I'm telling you, I agree with all that, absolutely. But when it comes to like, if you had someone on the East Coast at BU that had a connection to somebody that was high up in New York City at a Fortune 500 company, come on, man. Yeah. It's so easy to donate ten million dollars, you know, to the college. It, it's very simple for these people that have multi-million dollars to do something like that out of a pure favor and a tax write-off. Yeah, mind you, right? So, you know, East Coast, West Coast—that's where the money is. That's kind of what funnels the economy, right? It, it really pushes the economy out. And it pushes money out to the Midwest, which is what, what makes the Midwest go. We have well, two I, minutes, by the way. I, I, I Producer Mike. What's that? Yeah, we got. We have two minutes. minutes. Two minutes left. But I don't know if I agree with all that, uh, to be honest with you. it's It's been, honestly, you they, they named the top programs right now for NIL money paying uh, athletes. Nebraska was in high. And, you know, I, I don't know all the big boosters for Nebraska football. Team. I know one of the biggest ones, and I don't know how much he contributes, is Warren Buffett. Um, I but, mean, you got really lucky. And you got Phil Knight. Really lucky. Yeah. You got with, Phil with Buffett being out of Omaha, bro. You have a lot of luck. Where? What? With, uh, you give a lot of luck at Nebraska, be, being the fact that that Warren Buffett is from Omaha, bro. Yeah, and you, you know who? Else? <laughs> very lucky, very lucky. You know who else are two big donors for Nebraska? Who? Larry the Cable Guy, and your boy Adam Devine. Okay, so basically, shit. Buffett is fucking pulling the fucking he, – he's literally pulling the tab for everybody. And also uh, the other one is uh, uh, Dwayne Wade's wife, Gabriel um, – God, what's her – Union. Gabriel Union? Yeah. But actually the largest gift in Nebraska football history was somebody – by the name of before we go here before we get to go off air uh wow uh that just went away i had it here oh yeah this is why you need charles, a producer mike charles and ramona myers who i've never heard of but they yeah donate. okay we need a producer mike mike we need a producer we don't need a producer we're fine yeah we do yeah. you suck you pay for one That's you swallow wow Okay then. Okay. Then. Okay. That's like the worst fucking. It's it, it's taking you suck, 
and it's one-upping it. All right, well, you know what? Just that, I'm going to end the show instead of on Harlem Heat onto a little ditty from your hometown. Go be wifey, if she freaky. I love a night, no money like Monopoly. I'm a dog, kill a kitty, no apologies. I know that you want to get crazy, crazy. Show me, take it slow, then chitty, chitty. Come on, baby, be my judge. Just had to get that in for Sam. By the way, guys. All right, that's the end of our show. I had to. Get I hate you. Rachel taught him. I uh, hate you. It almost as much as he likes studying medicine. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. We will You're be a back. Sucker. <laughs> we will be back on Friday. All right, guys. Enjoy the rest of the game. Uh, we'll talk to you on Friday. Bye, guys.